talk us through those 80 minutes. No, we prepared to win. We knew that we were here to make history. The whole week, that's what we told ourselves. And you know what? I'm so proud of the boys. Absolutely humbled. And the guys came out. They played with enormous testicles. And we absolutely did it. Fantastic effort. I'm such a happy captain. Hey everyone, welcome to another Dropped Kickoff. Bit of a change this week. It's just only me and Nathan Williamson. Um, I'm probably one of the biggest podcasts of the whole year. Um, Jack's sick. I'm not really sure what Nick's doing. Um, I think he's in a safari. Uh, can't really, can't really tell. But we're here this week to talk about the big two talking points this week, which is the Super Rugby Final and the whole thing about will Australia leave Super Rugby? Who knows? Um, but I'm here to talk with Nathan about it uh, and we'll talk about it a bit more as well. But Nathan, how you going? Yeah, well, weekend. I'm, Matt, it's good. Like, it's, it's, rugby's such a funny thing. Like, just when you think, all right, we have about like two weeks off in between Super Rugby and Wallabies, it just... It has has a way of just creating news and creating storylines. It's just, it's literally a journalist dream, and it's just, it's one of those <laughs> things. It's just such a, it's been such a fascinating week in rugby. So I'm I'm looking forward to just chatting about it. Uh, it's so funny, Nathan. Like this is your job, but for me, it's it's a nice distraction for my job. You know, <laughs> uh, I'll see my mate at work, and this is what we'll talk about. Um, we'll talk about hey, do you reckon Australia versus New Zealand will leave, but but with you, it's kind of like that's your job. So, uh, um, but it's nice anyway. Uh, it's nice when you've got no rugby on to talk. Still be able to talk about rugby. Uh, Absolutely. It just, it's, it's one of those things. It just, it, it's a joy about rugby. It, it always creates storylines even when you think it's quiet. When you think you've got a lull period, it's, there's always something. And it's, it's, it's the joy, the joy of, of being a rugby fan, in my opinion, even though it is my job. But no, nah, it's good. Yeah, and it's good, and it's like good stories to talk about. It's not like whatever's gone in the AFL about some guy going to Bali, um, or some dude having white powder, um, at a party. Uh, but it's, it's good stories. It's good stories that we all care about. <laughs> not just crap. Absolutely. <laughs> not just tab- tabloid BS. <laughs> absolute, absolute crap. Um, so anyway, let's go on to the first talking point. Uh, so we don't have any questions today because only me and Nathan and probably get uh, through it in half an hour. But uh, uh, the final between the Crusaders and the Blues. Uh, Nathan, my first thought about this game was that the <laughs> the Blues were, okay, okay, well, they lost eight lineouts. I don't know how many lineouts they had. It might have been 12 lineouts. But they lost eight of them um, and got blown off the park by the Crusaders. Uh, um, what's your feelings on this on the final uh, last weekend? Mate, the Crusaders are a different face when it comes to finals. Like it's it's like just honestly, it, it's almost it's like poetry to watch. They just they turn into these just incredible beasts of of players that are just playing the perfect style of rugby no matter what they do. Like, they won, basically won every scrum. They won so many of the of their Blues ball. You have Richie Mwanga going out there just casually slotting drop goals. And it was one of those ones where, like, this is a Blues side that's won, what, 13 straight? 
something like that. And uh, they took yeah, yeah. Something, was something like that. Really sorry, quickly, I, I, sorry, I just got distracted by that stat. It was like the Crusaders haven't lost the playoff game in ten years. I think that they haven't lost a home home playoff game ever. Yeah, that's oh. it, it, it's wild. And like realistically, uh, uh, Anthony, this were you mm-hmm. watching the game? At what stage did you think, hey, the Blues might have had a chance? Because I generally can't see it happening more, more than five or ten minutes. Like after that, yeah, feeling, that that, that feeling Christie try for a second. Like that feeling Christie try was it for? And you think, okay, maybe they can come back. And the Crusaders just went, nah, we're just going to control the game. Like it was as one sided as you can get. Yeah, it was it was a huge joke, uh, especially when Matera put that chip kick in, and uh, taking the piss. I don't know his name. Yeah, taking the piss, and that Blues fullback or winger completely missed it, and then just fell in Sepper Reese's hands, and he picked up the ball and dropped it over the line. Um, like it's it was one of those games where it's twenty one seven. You know, you know when you get beat, you go, oh, you know what. The scoreline probably didn't flatter us. You know, we we were closer than you think. You look at that game and go, that was only 14 points. That should have been, a, that realistically could have been a lot more. Mm. For a lot of the game, it was nil, right? It was like 14 nil. I mean, it was only, you had Mwanga's drop goal that kind of opened the scoring after, I think, about 18 to 20 minutes. Yeah. And then from there... Like it was, it was in the balance. So yeah, twelfth minute, and then you had a penalty and Bryn Hall's try on like half time, which gave him like a decent lead. And then mm. yeah, Reese's try late was kind of separated them. But like, it was one of those weird games. It was close, but not close. And on the, it was close on the scoreline, but not on the field. It was, it was remarkable to watch. Mm. Yeah, crazy game. It was. Yeah, it's just like that Imperial March. It's like you can't beat the Crusaders, but I guess that's my kind of next point. Uh, is it boring? I mean, why did Pablo Matera get to go to the Crusaders? One of the best Argentinian play, players went to go to play for the best fran- no, team. don't want to say franchise, but team. Is it getting boring that the Crusaders keep winning? I don't know. Like, I think it's one of those things. It's, I think you need to have that all-powering dominant team. So when a team does go on and beat them, it's a whole bigger, bigger, bigger of a deal than it actually realistically is. You look at the Waratahs. Like when the Waratahs, they, they beat the Crusaders. But they beat it. They beat a beat the Crusaders team. They beat a side missing five or six All Blacks. And you look at the scenes afterwards, and you look how much that really just like gave. Rugby such a shot in the arm in Sydney and New South Wales for that that next couple of weeks. Imagine yeah. if an Australian team does that in the final. Well, like, okay, if the the, the Brumbies, okay, <laughs> I don't think we we did a pod last week, but the Brumbies should have beat the Blues, and they didn't. And I did share that thing on the Green and Gold Facebook where I don't know the name, but he's a Brumbies player over the ball. Luke, Luke Rama. 30 metres, yeah. <laughs> and the whole passage of play, like that gets a photo, but you watch the passage of play and there's about three penalties in it and Benno kept in call one. Um, but the Brumbies should have been in it. Do you think if the Brumbies were in that final, it would have been closer? I, I think so, yeah. I, I mean, I mean I would say the Brumbies probably wouldn't have 
one. I'd, no, I'd give like, it a 5% chance of winning. Let's, but, let's make it clear. Like, the Brumbies probably don't win that, but I, I reckon it would have been closer. Yeah. Jeez, I, how, I, how did you not find a penalty out of that? Yeah. Yeah, but, like, that's just crazy. And, I mean, I... A lot of people talk about, like, you, you want the most dominant team playing, but I just think it's boring. I just think it's so boring. Like, you lose Super Rugby titles, and it's like Crusaders have got 13 or 14. And then the next is, like, the Blues. The Blues and uh I don't know who else. The Brumbies, maybe? No, the Brumbies, Brumbies right. Two or three, right? But the but Blues... It depends if you count how many. Well, well like, these things... It goes back yeah, to... They've only got two or three, but when you consider Super Rugby's only been going for 26 years and 12 of those were the Crusaders, like, you're not, you're not that far off. Actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like, 12 goes to one team. Like, it's just not good. Like, I mean, you look at, you know, like, the Scottish soccer, it's like 50 have gone to Rangers. Um, and it's like, no, that's not good. No one likes that. And no one talks about Scottish soccer anyway, but this is how, a how do you stop point. that? That's the thing. How do you, how do you stop a crusader team from, from doing well when you have people like Paolo Matero who know they can, like, fly in for a year, say, all right, I can, you know, experience a new culture plus basically win a title? Yeah, I'll come for reduced money. Easy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, in Pablo Matera's case, like, why wouldn't you want to go to the Crusaders? But, uh, and I think we'll probably we'll dig into this next, but I, I just, I mean... Why you watch rugby is because it's a competition. Why you watch any sport is because it's a competition. And a competition as in teams will play each other and it will be a close game. But if like, the Crusaders winning it, it's like it's boring. And it's not like they're from Auckland. It's not like they're from a big city. They're from a little half city down the South Island of New Zealand. Like, no one cares. The only reason people care about Canterbury and Christchurch is because they're a really good football team. But, you know, there's no kind of weight behind them apart from that. It's like if, you know, Toowoomba was the best fucking rugby league club in Queensland, no one would care. But if it's from Brisbane, everyone would care. It's, uh... Anyway... It's, just, it's one of the things. The, the culture is so good down there in terms of like absolutely breeding rugby players that it, they they just they just find a way to just get these next gener next generation of kids to come down and you know be you know learn the Crusaders way of playing. So it's just it's one of those things. You we can talk about how to try and stop it, but they'll just they'll find ways to make your next Richie Mwangas. You know they'll they find <laughs> these Cullen Graces and Ethan Ethan Blackadders who come into their system and all of a sudden just end, end up in a black jersey absolutely dominating yeah. the Wallabies. Yeah. Well, I think actually another question too is how long is that coach going to stay around there? What's his name? And also... Razor Ray. Great. Cool. Go Yeah, on, I mean, Ray. why are you hanging around? Just go and win something else, man. Well, um, that's that's the interesting, interesting um, angle for next year is apparently there is a get out clause in his contract. So he's, he is signed with the Crusaders until 2024. Mm-hmm. There is apparently a get out contract in, oh, sorry, a get out clause in his contract, which says if he's not the All Blacks coach by the end of 2023, he can leave. He can go overseas. He can do what he wants. So it's quite, quite obvious where, 
that where he's next, like where he's been lined up for, is he's the end like fork in the road. It's like you're in all that coach, or you've gone overseas. Like it's a fair ultimatum to make, but like, but, and let's face it, when when Ian Foster's under pressure as well, you kind of they're, they're going to look at that World Cup and be like, even if you do win, mate, we might just say see you later, just to keep Scott Robinson in that in that New Zealand system. But Ian, like, right? So if you went Ian Robinson, I mean, if he went there, Razor Robinson would not be the best played paid. Like he'd be the best paid coach in the world wherever he went. Scott Robinson, yeah, hundred percent. Wouldn't he? Yeah. So just do that. Like, why do you want to coach your blacks? Like, legacy. Simple as that. If you if you can, oh. like, let's they face can't. it. But imagine if you went to France, coached bloody Montpellier to the to the European Cup Championship and the Top Fourteen Championship. Wouldn't that be his legacy? Oh, as opposed to winning a, being able to stay the All Blacks, win a Bledisloe, and potentially win a World Cup on Australian <laughs> soil in 27. Jeez, it's a tough one. Yeah, oh man, but you'd earn twice the money. Are you, no, you, you'd earn twice the money. He could realistically earn an absolute fuck ton of money, but like, let's face it, if they, he's got all the power in the situation, Kiwis have just got, just got a private equity deal. They would throw as much money as they like humanly could at that guy to say, "Hey, stay, stay in New Zealand rugby for goodness sakes," because he just, he just, he's one of one of those factors. I think is in the Crusaders' success is just how good he gets, how well he can get those big game performances out of his players, and how the culture he creates. So, I don't know. It's a, it's an interesting. It's an interesting one to watch for next year to see if he ends up going overseas and or if he ends up being thrust into that All Blacks job. Yeah, right. Um, but I reckon your I could coach your All Blacks to success, Nathan. Hundred percent. I'd so just like, say score more tries than the other team. Uh, I, hey, you, Rich and Wonga. Yeah, can you just like step and like grab the ball? Bowden just run, <laughs> yeah. run his outside. Get get ready to just draw the full looking catch. <laughs> Uh, got this. I'd say I'd say that Richie. Uh, uh, I'd tell Richie and Bowden that um, Bowden and Richie are choir boys compared to them, and that will get them. That's my motivational tactic. I'd say Richie Bowden's a uh, choir boy compared to you. I just go vice versa. And just yeah, yeah. Each other. <laughs> yeah. I think I'll get them going. Absolutely. Um. Yeah, and also I thought just. Another thing, Bowden was there, and I noticed him. Um, and I only noticed him because he was Bowden. He doesn't look like someone you would notice because he's got an awful haircut. Um, but yeah, he didn't really he didn't really stand out. And uh, Richie st- stood out, but Richie also didn't play that electric. And it was a really weird game in that way. I think that that's just the case of you know you have one ten whose forward pack is getting absolutely pumped, and now another ten yeah. whose forward pack was just rolling over. So like, Malonga didn't have to have a really good game. Like all he had to do was just keep it in the forwards, play play that final football of just taking points whenever whenever they were down their end, and whenever there was a try need, that needed to be put on, just be in the right place at the right time. So like, I mean, but like Bodum. It's one of those things. Bowden was okay, but 
you know, it's it all comes down to where he was getting the ball and kind of how much pressure he was under, and both were in really bad positions. So yeah, I think it's no. I think it's much you can read into. No, no, no. It was just funny seeing them play so I guess poorly, but yeah, given all that context. Um. Anyway, moving on from the final, uh, and I can know where I'm going with this. Um, <laughs> so um, this might make it a bit weird, but Nathan's big boss has come out saying that maybe Australia should jump ship from New Zealand. Um, so that opens a can of worms. Where should we go with this? Where should Australia be go with New Zealand? Where should we go in the future? Um, and there's so many questions and so many answers right in front of us. But I guess the thing is, I mean, maybe to... Close it down. I mean, maybe I'll just ask this question to you, Nathan. Do you think Australia is better off, the players are better off playing New Zealand opposition? Or do you still think that's a question in the air? So some people were bringing up the fact, based off, I could just on social media, bringing up the fact that we played really well last year or, or two years ago on the Bledisloe, despite not playing Kiwi opposition. Um... But do you think if Australia had to leave New Zealand, like, would we be better off or not? You reckon, as a national team? It's it's such a tough such a tough question because we don't really we don't really know at this stage. I think we'll, we'll have a better idea of where we end up when looking at kind of the Wallabies at the end of the year. But uh, I've I've always been of the opinion that you know. We you get better when you're facing some of the best players, and the Kiwis are are in terms of Super Rugby standards, one of the best out. Sorry, in terms of club standard, the best out there. I I, I get what what Hamish was going for. Like I, I completely understand why he did it. Because I mean, or why he's come out and said what he said. Because I mean, let's face it. When you look at when you look at it as an isolated thing, it kind of looks out of the out of the blue. But when you consider two years ago, they were saying. Well, in ter- in Super Rugby right wise, you should only have two teams. We want that as a comp. You know, last year there was all the there was a Bledisloe fiasco, and mm. when you, when he looks over and sees New Zealand getting apparently ninety million dollars from Sky, and we're getting thirty million, like why wouldn't you come out and say, hey, this isn't the partnership. This is just you guys doing what doing what suits you best, and we're yeah. just dragged along. So yeah. Like I can see why I can see why it's come out come out and done it, but I I still think the best way the way we can get better is by playing the Kiwi guys. And I, you know, just having spoken to a couple of players before um um the that crossover period for Super Rugby Pacific, they were saying similar stuff that they felt like playing playing those guys just took took their preparation to another level because you. Only, I generally feel like there's only so much you can get out of playing Australian-based opponents. Like we're not, mm. let's face it, we're not a number one ranked nation like the Kiwis, where you you're essentially playing against the best of what is what a ranked number six in the world. When you compare it to, can we test ourselves against a Richie Mwanga, a Bowden Barrett, Geordie Barrett, you know, Aaron Smith, these type of guys in these teams? Like it looks like a more appealing appealing. Situation, and I get, you know, I get the argument behind having an Australian-based competition, but I just think 
in terms of a development wise and where the future should be. It should be in this Pacific competition playing New Zealand opposition and your Fijians and Pacifics. Maybe open it up to a Japanese team in the future. That's that's where I think it should be going. Um, yeah, it's an interesting one um, because clearly the player base is in New Zealand. Uh, and, I mean, for example, if you took NRL, the player base is clearly in New South Wales and Queensland. Um, but, I, I, yeah, it's so... It's so difficult because, yeah, all, the, all that kind of jostling behind the scenes, trying to get the most money and all that jazz, and you can kind of see it. But I really kind of think that what's happening here is that really what should happen is that they should come out and go, you want five teams in New Zealand. So I remember when we had that – sorry, stop that. When we had the that netball comp and they combined the comps and they had five teams in Australia and five teams in New Zealand – well, Australia, like Nepal, in that kind of sense, like uh, we're a lot better than New Zealand because we have the equal, equal amount of players, and they, you know, then you know, as percentage of population than them, which means we have better players and more players than them. But they had five teams in New Zealand and five teams in Australia. Uh, but in terms of rugby, yeah, you go okay. The talent base is there to have that five and five, but who cares? about all those New Zealand teams. Like, who cares? Uh, Hamilton. Who cares about Hamilton? Oh, God, like, God. It would be so ha- much just better. Hamilton argument again. Oh, my God. Yeah, but, but it would be so much better. You just put that Hamilton team in West Ipswich. In Ipswich, sorry, West Brisbane. West Queen, like West Brisbane. You put it there, and it would be... Suddenly, the Reds have a rival team. And it's in Australia, so the Kiwis will support it because the Kiwis look to Australia. Like, I don't know if you've met a Kiwi, but they're so insecure about being Kiwis. I mean, you've probably seen the uh, Flight of the Concords. You know, they're so insecure. And you just put it in uh, West Ipswich and you take the Highlanders and you put them in Western Sydney. It's like you get the same effort and you get all that culture behind it and you get all that hatred, all that love, whatever, and you put it behind there and that'll make such a better comp. And I don't know why that Super Rugby is following this 5-on-5 kind of uh, format. It just doesn't make any sense. Like The, the, the fundamentals why, why don't make sense in, to me. Why would someone in Ipswich give a shit about the Chiefs? They have no, like, they have, have no... Have you seen the Green and Gold comments, Nathan? They're all from Ipswich. You put anything critical of the All Blacks on the Green and Gold Facebook page, and they're all dudes from Ipswich who follow <laughs> the Kiwis. <laughs> it's is this a scientific like, fact you're talking about here? Oh, it's this like is... it's born in Fakatani and then lives in Ipswich. It's all of it. That's all, that, you know, that's all it is. Like, And that's what they have to do, because... Brisbane, what Sydney has a population bigger than New Zealand. Like, why do you have five teams in New Zealand and two teams in Sydney? Like, just based off that fact. Yeah, but we have the Waratahs, and people could barely get behind them until like a month ago. My, like, my concern with this is we, it's we chucking these teams in this area. It, it might work, and it's all, all well and good. But realistically. Are we in a position with the sports current support and current funding and all that sort of resources that we can go, yeah, 
you know, Ipswich will get behind this team, sure. They're, they're going to care about a team which would probably... What, it's it's revenue it's, share with NZ. It's revenue and, share with them. And that's, I, again, and revenue sharing is, I, I getting, going almost full circle with this, that's, that's, I believe why Hamish has probably come out and said this. He wants, because they ultimately, the figures that we, that we said before, that they want improvement in that. But in a case of, if you'll, look at the flip side, if we're basing the Chiefs in Ipswich, I, I'm assuming they're playing, are they playing 50-50 games? Waikato Ipswich, or is it? No, we're not, we're not, we're not rebasing them, we're cutting them. So they cut, they're gone. We're taking over the Ipswich Jets. They're going to be the Ipswich F-35s, you know. Like, we're cutting the two. No, but honestly, like, you look at the fucking... Like, sorry, so apologies to everyone for swearing, but... I know, we've already sworn a couple of times to this, like, it's... Ah, uh, sorry, well, I'm apologizing we're, we're, now. You know. uh, there'll, be, there'll be a language warning before this. It'll be fine. <laughs> it's like, like, the, yeah, like, in the 90s, the CD cases in the 90s. Uh, but... I'm saying... How many, sorry, how many cut, Kiwi teams do you want, then? Oh, how many three, Kiwi teams three, do you reckon? Give them three. Auckland? Give them three? In okay. fact, maybe you should have made the Chiefs a second Auckland team, but you give them Auckland, Wellington, and Christchurch. Well, then, you lose, then you lose out on Dunedin and the, and all who the, cares, the atmosphere when you play. Who cares about Dunedin? They yeah, they get such they a... They can't sell out the games. This is another thing. We saw the semi-finals. They couldn't sell them out. I don't think they even sold out the grand final. And this is like Kiwi teams. But we can't sell games out, though. Ever. And they can't sell out the grounds. Because they don't care. Because no one cares. And, and, and Kiwis challenge me on this. But no one cares about New Zealand. Like, not many people care about Australia. But even less people care about New Zealand and all that. Like, what, what's the difference between Auckland and Wellington? One's hipster and one's not. Like, Jesus come Christ. on. Please, please don't travel on. to New Zealand anytime, anytime, please. Uh, no, but honestly, I just mean in terms of like, not care, care, but in terms yeah. of. I, I get what you mean, yeah. I mean, I, I could care about Barcelona and Real Madrid because I get it. Because Real Madrid, it's all, all that part of thing that Real Madrid are like the good, Goody two shoes and Barcelona's the alternative emo kid. Like that's part of that kind of culture, but who cares about New Zealand? Like I'd rather watch England and France. I get it. Like I've seen, I've played Age of Empires, the campaign level. Like I know Joan of Arc, like hates English, but who, like New Zealand, I don't, you know what I mean? Like if it was, this this is a hard sell here, but like I, I, I get what you're talking about. I was kind of netting. I think it comes back to what McLennan was saying on SNN today, was that potential of expanding teams out into if we're going to go alone or if we're going to go with a more combined combination with having a second New South Wales team and a second Queensland team. It's just how do you go about sort of ensuring the players? What, what do you reckon? Where do you reckon the option is there? Well, I think the thing is that Really, what's got to happen, A, A, what's got to happen is that they go, look, if you play in the Super Rugby comp, you're eligible for New Zealand. They've just got to figure that out. So, like, for example, Hooper could go play for, well, the Hurricanes and is still eligible for Australia. And TJ Paranara could play for the Brumbies and he's still eligible for New Zealand. That's what they have to do. Um, I saw this great comment on Twitter today because so if you haven't if you're not on Twitter you don't follow it you didn't see it Morgan Morgan Turanui just asked hey 
devil's ad- advocate, why should we stay with New Zealand? And there were a lot of great comments, but one of them was kind of like, um, really what has to happen is they've got to break down that developmental structure. Like, so if you're playing in a super team, then you can play for the All Blacks. They've got to kind of break down that representative structure. And I think this is part of what they've got to do. Um, It's got to go back to club. Because you look at like France, you got to look at England, you got to look at Japan. It's all club. It's all it's all league based. Like the league is most of it, and then you play nation, and that's where Super Rugby has to change. Like, and that is a big structure. Like that's why they introduced Melbourne and Perth before they introduced Western Sydney and Western Brisbane, was because it's all based on that provincial structure. And, I mean, even the Brumbies of, like, ACT in southern New South Wales. Like, it's just, it's a mess. And that's what they've got to do. That's all they've got to do with this. I do like that idea. And particularly if we can expand it to a proper Pacific comp and you get can get a couple of Japanese teams in that are your proper money, like, some who have some serious backers. But if you can, if you can, like, Summers was good and all, but if you can get one of those proper, like, some Tory or Panasonic level backers behind a, a super rugby team, all of a sudden mm-hmm. you you open that rule up. Not only do you allow guys to go, hey, we can test ourselves in New Zealand if we're and know that we can still play for the Wallabies, but all of a sudden you you can almost have a sabbatical fifteen over in Japan where it's just all the best players that want to go. You know what? Let's earn a bit more money. We we can and stay eligible for Australia. So like if you you can imagine like Tony Altupo's name gets thrown up. Like, imagine if you could still keep him playing Super Rugby, but yeah, he'll just play for a Japanese club for one or two years. Like, that's that's almost, that's almost a win-win. So I reckon 100%, regardless of what format we go to or what the future looks like, that sh- that should 100% be something that we bring in. Well, I'm a bit surprised they haven't done that, to be honest. Like, they haven't done, like, a Super Cup between the Japanese champion and the Super Rugby champion. Um. And I know in even in Japan, like what eighty percent of their team's got to be Japanese or something. But yeah, uh, uh, that's definitely a path that should go down. And with all the Hamish's comments talking about money, I I've just got a feeling that Twiggy has guaranteed him in some way. <laughs> you I don't know, know. it's it's it that could be part of private equity, but I don't know. It's it's all speculation at this point, like. Yeah, yeah really speak from a fan's perspective here. Like, let's yeah, let's yeah, make yeah, that, yeah. Let's make that clear. Like, you, yeah, you, you don't know much or anything. I'm not talking <laughs> anything. I'm but, very, uh, very, very much a fan. Looking for a fan's perspective and any views or any comments made are simply Nathan Williamson and not anything related to Rugby Australia. So just mm-hmm. don't hold that against me. But I don't know. It's there's so many layers and so many different aspects you can go with this. It's it's quite a fascinating discussion and I. I mentioned the chat earlier, but if you if you want to hear further information, I, I highly recommend looking up his podcast. Um, Hamish McLennan was on SNN with Matt White this morning. Mm-hmm. I, I fully recommend looking at it's like a ten minute chat. Some of those it makes a very good argument, and when you can hear it not, in an audio form instead of just written down, it's a lot more seems a lot more calculated and a lot more almost calmer in a sense. So I hundred percent. <laughs> recommend giving it a listen just to kind of get a get an understanding of where 
he might be where his view is coming from and where it's this is all kind of stemming from. So. Oh yeah, well, yeah, for sure. I think it's definitely like a uh, yeah, it's very business oriented, um, and it's coming at the right time because, as we all know, two year deals coming up soon, Nathan. Um, and, the, and and the next year, I believe it's and the next year, yeah. So I think yeah. that's where that's around where the broadcast broadcast deal could end as well. I think I think Morgan to, Morgan was saying that they're on Twitter that they've got a it ends in twenty twenty three, but Stan has a two year option in their favour. So it all kind of ends all of that point. Interesting, so it's, it's fascinating to look. So yeah, yeah, he was saying yeah, broadcast deals and complete competition. <laughs> Agreements end in 23, 9 touched down, have a two-plus year option at the end of 23. TRC is, TRC's combination is until 2025. Yeah, crazy, crazy. Okay, well, <laughs> speaking of crazy, Nathan, and we already have talked about this, but uh, let's move on to, we've been doing the, the Wallabies positions, you know, position by position. And this week is up to our centers, Nathan. You know where I'm going with this. I don't know where you're going with this. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, uh, our friend, I should say our friend, but I never really saw him play. Um, so apologies to those who did see him play. But, uh, I know him as a media, media pundit and his name is David Campisi. And he was asked by Stan or Channel 9, to put out his ideal squad for Australia. And not only did he say, I'm a back, so I can't pick any forward, so he's only picked half the squad. He literally did pick half a squad. Um, but <laughs> he possibly picked the worst <laughs> back line. I mean, the back line's not that bad. It's just there is one or two... Real contentiousness and it's, it's totally I would not say contentious. I would say outrageous. So he picked Matt Tamua <laughs> in his centres and put Jack uh, Jock Campbell as his fullback. And I don't, I don't know, man. Like I wish I got paid for that article because I could have written a better article. But <laughs> and this is not, this is not a a diss. On Matt Tamua. Matt Tamua's done very well, but you know, you come and you go, you grow up, and Matt Tamua's probably what, like 35 or 43 at this point. But, Nathan. I mean, Steph, like. You would not Jock, pick look, Matt Tamua at number 12 against England. I wouldn't at this point. I would. I, I, again, we, we'll put that, put our, you know, our depth charts on it. On, the article as well, or at least, at least Badger Nick to get it up there. But uh, I generally think that there is four or five better insides in this competition. Yeah. I'm just, just purely on form, and that's hence why he's not been selected for the Wallabies. Uh, we, we must say, well, this, fine, there's this, like, you know, four or five starting inside centers in, in Australian Super Rugby because there are four or five Super Rugby teams. Not important, not important. Uh, we, we should preface as well. This article was this article was written before the Wallaby squad was announced. But yeah, I mean, yeah. like, no, <laughs> no it's it, Matt, Tamir is nowhere near in form due to injuries and 
just just not just clicking in a rebel side that's just struggling within with form and also other injuries in key positions as well. But I mean, I'd also you... say it's nothing against Matt Tamola. I love Matt Tamola. He's been such a servant and he was such a great player in his prime. But at this point in his career, like he's just not there. Um, and I'm, it's not I'm even Jock Campbell. He's still playing high level union. I saw a former Rebels player was playing for the West West Harbour this weekend. Um, and I don't think he's as old as Matt Tamoa, but Matt Tamoa is he's a great player, but he's just not Wallaby standard. But yeah, as I was saying, yeah, I d- and it's been Jock great. Campbell. I'm fine with Jock Campbell. I'm fine with the selection. Like he's been really solid, but and you know you can understand why he's gone with that. But Matt Matt Tamoa is just just not it. <laughs> yeah. Realistically, uh, what getting getting on the centers? Can you see anyone other than it being Perevi and Lenny Gattel? I no, absolutely not. I, I'd see uh, Perezi coming in off the bench, or if one of them got injured, but that would be it. Um, so yeah, I, I I agree with that. All right, yeah, Perezi had a killer season for the Waratahs after coming in. Um, but Krevy, when Krevy came in last year, like, he was just, like, he was so much better than anyone else. Like, he was a king. He was a god. Um, just different based. Yeah, just different. Just another level. Like, that world-class level where he plays amazing in every game. Like, that Hooper level. Um, but then Ikatao, I remember, like, you know, um, he was just, he had a great game. Like, you know, his shoulders uh, were not scared of anyone. He His defense was so good last year. And he's just this dude who's, like, what, 22, 23? Uh, uh, played a great series. And I think Parisi, Parisi, you know, like, when you see him play in Super, he just has that like that knack, that energy to take uh, take any man on his outside shoulder and just coming from outside outside centre, I think he played most of the time, like yeah. is unreal. Like that is unreal. And that's a positive energy you want for Wallabies. And he was so hard on the tackle as well. So I'm so happy with those three as the centres, like just as that little centre combination. Um, right, answer, answer me this. All right, so there was an article that the Morning Herald put out a couple of weeks ago that said Karevi could make a return to sevens for the Com games. That would mean he probably misses the Argentina tour. If that happens, with Parisi is largely played 13, likewise with Iketau, would you be comfortable playing Parisi at 12 and Iketau 13, or would you put someone in like a Hunter Paisano? Oh... I forgot about Parsami. Because he, he was real good as well when he got when he got a chance. Yeah, yeah, no. I'd I'd probably put in Parsami at twelve. Probably considering that you'd have at least at one point in the game nine, ten, twelve would be Reds. Nine being Tech McDermott, ten being J O C twelve being Parsami. And they'd all be subs. So I think Parsami. And I really rate Basami. He needs another year or two, and he'll become a god. 
And he's only 24 as well, so like he's yeah. There's that's the joy about about all these guys is like we we look at them. You know, I think Karevi's a, a bit older than the other three, but like Ikatau's 23, Paisami's 24, Karevi's 25. How old is Karevi? Karevi, I believe, is I think 27. Oh, that's crazy. He can't be 27. Let me see. Yeah, he's 28. Good lord. 28. Like, yeah, he's only 29 this year. And realistically, like, that's, that's still in the, that's prime of his career right there. Like, he's, he, the way he plays as well, he could legitimately be gone for another three or four years as well. If he, even mm. if he keeps playing, he keeps playing in Japan as well. Like, that's, that could do wonders for keeping him around at an international level. So, like, you have such competition across the board. It's so exciting to see at centers. But I think for yeah, this, this, absolutely. this time round, I think we, we're pretty, pretty set on what our best, our best lineup looks like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think Capizzi got it really wrong. It was really funny, but yeah, <laughs> he got it really wrong. Um, do we want to talk about the back three? Uh, yeah, let's, I, let's, I let's, let's talk about the back three. It kind of, it, I, well, I think it kind of writes itself because it's Corabetti yeah. and Callaway somewhere. I think, yeah, Callaway probably on your other wing. Yeah. Yeah. And then Tom Banks. Yeah, I'm, look, I'm happy, I'm happy with Banks. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm happy with Banks. Like, your only other. I think your other two options that you can you can chuck in there is or Jordi Bataille at either wing or fullback. I just I just don't think he he's proven enough at an international level to be a winger compared to Corbetti mm. and Callaway, and just not proven enough as a fullback. Your yeah. only other option, your wild card, and it, it, it's one of those sort of gut feelings that he'll get caught on, and it, it's such a such a bold move, but is Suli Suli Asivinavali. Yeah. Because we know what England's going to bring. They're going to just bomb the absolute hell out of us. It's going to be full kicking game. You yeah. know, get so good old good old Freddie Stewart can come through and just claim every every high ball whatsoever. You know how good Vunavalu is under a ball under a high ball coming coming from rugby league. Would you be tempted to put him on a wing and maybe go with maybe say Sandy Callaway? Let's see what you can do at fullback, or do you? Just keep that keep that back three that we had before, which seemed to seemed to build combinations and click well throughout throughout the sort of rugby championship and spring and spring well, tour. I Callaway. always felt that Banks was really good on the high ball, but yeah, I mean, if what you're the way you're saying it, Vunivalu fourteen, Corabetti eleven, Kellaway fullback. That, I don't, I don't mind that. That is so hot. Yeah, I don't I, mind I, Banks either. But Banks, yeah, Banks, I, th- I think he got really he got injured at such a wrong time because he was playing really well against the South Africans and he kind of felt like he was finally arriving at an international level. So it's not yeah. like I, I think yeah, either I option I agree. Either option you go with, I reckon it's going to be so good to watch. But I don't know. I I, I but I, I think that the, the three you chucked out there of Kellaway having Kellaway, Corabetti, Banks. I think that's probably. That'd probably be my first choice, but it's yeah. with maybe Bataille on the bench, just just yeah. so he can cover every position. I think, especially in the back three, yeah. I mean, well, well Hodge hasn't been picked, but I'd be really, I I like Hodge. I really like him a lot. 
uh, you know, obviously is whatever anyone else says. Like he's he's not, you know, jack of all trades. But I really like you know Kelly Wet Kellaway. Kellaway and uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Corbett. I think they're world class. And Callaway can cover the uh, 15. So I'm really confident with that. Like, I think it's a great backline. And I think really what will happen is that if uh, midfield can dominate against uh, uh, England, would be fine. Midfield being like that strength and tackle and and, uh, centres. Well, what, what do you think? Well, now, now I'm speaking of England. What do you think of the team they named, or the squad they named on Monday? If you had a chance to look at it, um, it was a bit weird, but you know, Pone got named. I don't think T- Pone will play. Um, for example, Pone, Pone Famuusili. No, the England. No, like the squad England. Oh, oh, England. Oh, um. I'm a big, I'm a really big Eddie Jones fan. I think he's really brilliant. But the team they play, like they, like it's just, he, you know, he just can't, like I guess the way to explain it is like, like he can't pick a normal team. He picks guys like level 2 to 16, not 1 to 15. You know what I mean? Like, they had to pick up Vunapola because some guy got injured or something. But Eddie didn't want to call him. And, you know, he always picks George Youngs, but the fact George Youngs is 35. Like, it's, you know what I mean? Like, it's this weird thing that he's just, and and Eddie Jones knows how to play that game. He's got his, he's got his favourites in that sort of sense, but, I mean. Vunipola, you know what I mean? They were like, it's weird. And it's kind of like Eddie Jones really knows what he's doing. So... Hmm. And like Danny, Danny Care. I'm always as well, scared. Like, I'm always scared. Like picking Danny Care, who hasn't played, who's 35 and hasn't played a Test match since 2018. Oh, yeah. yeah, Danny Care, not George Young. It's Danny Care. Yeah. Like, I and you look at the injury list. Like Alex Dombrant, George Ford, Tuolangi, as you said. Would Carl George Cruz play for the Barbarians? George Cruz. No, George Ford. Sorry. Oh, George right, right. Ford. But I mean, like, when um, you say George Cruz played, George Cruz, K-R-U-I-S, played for the Brumbies. Yeah. Oh, not for the Brumbies, <laughs> the Barbarians. You know, that's like the guys he's cutting. This dude has played about 20 tests for England. Yeah, and he responded by hitting a backheel yeah. conversion. Backheel, yeah. Oh, if you that was awesome. Just backheel, it's great. It's actually Look really ballsy. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Sorry, go on. I was going to say, it's, it's one of those things. He's the king of, Getting there's two things he's king of. He's the king of mind games and the team of just getting a team up at, the, at, the, at that right moment or that kind of almost a siege mentality type aspect. So he'll be he'll be looking for someone, someone in the press to write him out, someone to kind of look at the selections and go, that's a weird one, that's a strange one, and he'll drill that into his team. But so by the time they get to Perth on July two, they'll just be fired up and ready to go. It's it's well, honest, honestly it's gonna be a great series. Like I was thinking about this before. Yeah, it's okay. I ge- I generally don't think it's gonna be like for either side. I generally can't see it being three 0 no, Can you can, 
but yeah, I was going to say, can you say Australia? I can't say Australia winning three. I, I can't, like England, I think probably, well, put it this way, we have no idea what the odds are at this stage. Who would you put as favourite, Wallabies or England? Well, I'd put Wallabies, and the reason I put Wallabies, like, they just have that Six Nations, and England were pretty crap, but I also know that England um, are not playing their best because they've got to play uh, Rugby World Cups next year. So I know that Eddie would be trying everything out that he can. Uh, and then sharpen them up before the Rugby World Cup. That's yeah, I, I agree with that. No, actually, I actually didn't realise there are actually odds out, and we are we are favoured, so that's that's good to know. It feels weird to say, given what we've lost like seven in a row with them, but I kind of tend to agree with you that we're just kind of... It seems, even though we struggled towards... We struggled in November, and we struggled to get that whole spring tour... It still feels like there's more. I don't know. It, it feels like we're we're heading more of an upward direction than they are. I'm I'm, I'm not sure if that's yeah. just. Well, we know what our team is. That. That's the thing as well. I think mm. that's what we pro- what we've proven in in our these kind of position by position chats is that we. Let's face it. We, I think halves was probably the only thing that we kind of discussed and, t- and tossed around. But most of the positions, you feel like. I, I, I use Dave Rennie's words himself. There doesn't feel like there's going to be a real bolter. It didn't, you know, the 35 player yeah. squad made, made sense, yeah. you know, and that the 23, it, you know, I think Vinavalu is probably the only real bolter that you could go with, yeah. but anyone that's selected, you feel like it, it makes sense. And not only that, you, it's a, it's a weird feeling that we haven't had in a while, but they feel almost, a lot of them trialled and tested at an international level. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Like, the biggest bolt would be, like, Will Harrison or Ben Donaldson being picked as I mean, a fullback. Will Harrison coming coming off an ACL injury, that would be... A, yeah, that yeah, that'd be a, be a bit bolter. Just on two crutches, that and would ben be... And Ben Donaldson filling the gap back there, yeah. Um, After, like, six injuries. But, um, I don't know, it's, it's going to be a great series. I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, it'd be so good. I think, yeah... England will be so good, and especially given that Marcus Edwards will be their fly half, I think, Marcus next Smith. year. Smith, sorry, yeah. Um, will be their fly half, and he's only 23 or something dumb. Um, yeah. But, 20, 23 and has played 127 games for Harlequins. Yeah. That's in, that's like, that's insane. wild. Yeah, that, that, yeah, that's huge, especially considering what you play, what, 25 games a year. But... Uh, yeah, um, I mean, I think Eddie, Eddie, I, I've always had this thing like that you hear about the All Blacks and how successful they've been, blah, blah, blah. But you got Eddie, who's half Japanese, half Australian, grew up in Tasmania, um, and coached the Wallabies. And then Japan, you know, Japan to that success over South Africa. Yeah, he wasn't a coach, but he, he pretty much everyone says he told him how to beat South Africa. And then he's moved to England and all that. Oh, no, he was a coach of Japan. but Yeah, he was, he was for the World Cup. But also the fact that he beat the All Blacks in two semifinals and then didn't know how to win the final. And everyone says because he coached the team to beat at the semifinal but not the final. 
who booked both the All Blacks. Um, but maybe if he faced the All Blacks in the final, he would have won the grand final. But the fact that he's kind of like a, a loser in that sense, that he hasn't won the grand final, and he just doesn't have all the accolades, but he's also not being coached in the All Blacks and doesn't have that wealth of talent underneath him, I've always found him really fascinating in that sense, in that you can be successful, but not successful. And it's, it, it's one of those things, like he, he's, you look, when you look at his honours, there's so much there in the sense of a, you know, a three-time Six Nation champ, two-time Triple Crown. He's a Super 12 yeah. winner with Brumbies, a Shoot Shield winner with Randwick, which is the most important one, don't forget it. Yeah. Um, you know, he's won a, won a Tri-Nations. He's won a Bledisloe with <laughs> Australia. Like, there's, the only thing that is missing is a World Cup, which, which is fascinating. Yeah. It's actually won as an assistant with South Africa that I completely forgot about. But, which, again, doesn't, isn't the same as winning as a head coach, but even still, like, it's, he's, I think he's one of those fascinating characters in that sense as well, but he's, he's, in, a, in an era where a, a lot of coaches, everyone is sorry, everyone is very media trained and all that. Eddie is Eddie feels like that, you know, breath of fresh air. You kind of you know what he's thinking, and you know that he's willing to play those games just almost for the for the sake of it, just to kind of see what response he can get out of people. Which always made the yeah, like, yeah. Eddie, Eddie versus <laughs> Michael Checker was always so good because it was just both of them just basically. Basically talking absolute rubbish. Basically doing what we're doing now, but, it, but whilst coaching two national sides, like that, it was always so fascinating. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think the really interesting thing with him is like you were saying before about who he picked, and the story came out a couple of weeks ago that he said to Dylan Hartley, "You're my worst forward. That's why I'm making your cap- That's why I'm making you captain. Is because if you're captain." And you're my worst forward. They will go, why aren't I like that? So I'll try my hardest at training to be like that. Like he's so, I guess, kind of toxic in that way. Um, but it's so fascinating. I, um, I, I, I do love there's the, the other quote that comes out of that is from Atley as well. Apparently the three words that he had, we've already, Three words he heard from Eddie Jones when his career was ended was "You're fucked, mate." <laughs> yeah, they always end in "mate." Like the, the English love that. Like it's like, "Hey, mate, there you go." It's like, "Oh, I'm in trouble, aren't I?" Like it's yeah. it's that's just a wild way of telling someone, mate, your career's a uh, international career might be at a crossroad here. Like, well, you can see why people hate him. Like he's he's not kind. That's for sure. But, but um, but he's brutally honest, and he's a he's a character, and that's why that's why people people love him. Yeah, well, that's why certain people love him. Well, he's, so successful. he's successful. Yeah. He's successful. a key point. Um, but uh, yeah, I I just think it's really interesting because you talk about all this like my old job. They used to have that. What's that legacy book? I'm like, oh, but it's so easy. It's like Brazil's been good at soccer. Like they're bound to win a World Cup. Uh, it's the same as the Kiwis are bound to win a World Cup. But I think the really interesting with Eddie Jones is that you can see success. Like he's so good at what he does, even though he's an awful person. 
I'm not going that far. I'm getting. I'm getting but you know, but everyone, everyone says like you know, Morgan Turanui says he still gets shivers down his spine when he sees him, and he's like, I'm a grown man, uh, but I'm still scared when I see Eddie Jones. Like honestly, like anyway, it's just really funny, dude. Um, anyway, so been a bit too long. Um, a bit more, bit more than half now, but I. Bit more than half up, but look, we'll, we'll, we'll finish up. Um, um, one point while we're finishing up is just, I'm just touching the Wallaroos. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's series finishing. Yeah. So Pacific there. Nations, they played US, Canada, and New Zealand. How'd they go? It was a three, yeah, zero from three, but it kind of, it, I, I feel like the scoreline doesn't reflect it. Like they were, these were three teams which, I think we, the only team we'd beat before this was USA. Mm-hmm. Like, and all three games were played in terrible conditions. Like, yeah, it, to call it a goat track would probably be an understatement. Such was the the rain <laughs> and all the mud that was on the field. And but you know what? It's there was plenty of building building blocks out of it. I mean, that USA game, arguably we we should have won, and we looked looked close to getting. I think we had a five meter line out with ten minute, ten minutes to go, down by two. Where we'd already scored five or ten minutes earlier, you get. I think we just got the throw. I think we, from memory, I think the throw wasn't straight, which kind of just ended that mm. play, and USA held on to win. But you know, you turn that around, that that could easily be a win with further practice. Canada were in it till the end, and then they scored. Yeah, yeah, they scored in like a seventy seventh minute, just to kind of put it outside of one score. And the Kiwis, we led ten nil. So, like, and they ended up coming, coming over the top of us. But, like, you know, for a team that has had limited opportunities, they, they played really well. And there was plenty of positive performances that came out of it. You People like your Georgina Fredericks, your Piper Ducks, your Grace Kemp's off the bench. You know, these young, a lot of young back rowers coming through, plus just a couple of those, you know, Arabelle McKenzie off the bench against USA was, were, was incredible. Like, these younger players just looking better for those minutes. So, you know, it'd be exciting to see how they go in this. I think Laurie O'Reilly Cup is the next one against New Zealand in mm-hmm. August. And then you go to a World Cup. So it's going to be interesting to say how after another kind of training block where, that they, let's face it, they need a, fitness is going to be the number one thing and kind of working on a fatigue they need to work on. But it'll be exciting to see how they go in, in those kind of two games leading into a World Cup in October. Um, yeah, well, I mean, for sure, you'd, you'd hope so, but, I mean, to backtrack a bit, you said they didn't have the best build-up, but they had, I mean, Super W, I mean, what's the best build-up, or was that not good uh, enough? Playing internationals in 2021 and 2022? I don't know, that might be, that might have helped, but, like, it's... It's one of those things. You, so Super W is, is good for getting people back at regular game time, but like you, when you're building combinations and when you're like when you're using when you have a a Waratah nine and a Force ten and a a twelve who I, th- who I think was also yeah twelve that was also a Waratah, but there's you got different combinations throughout there. So it's it's all about building nodes, which I think is starting to come along. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sure. Okay. I see what you mean. But yeah, um, Peter, that they lost, but. Still positive science. 
Yeah, yeah, true, true. Um, okay, well, I think that's probably it, Nathan. I don't think we've got anything else to talk about. Uh, I think, yeah, I think that's about it. The only last point I'll, I'll make is if anyone is really, really craving rugby, um, Oceania Sevens is, uh, yeah, Oceania Sevens Championship is on stand this weekend. So if you want to park yourself on the couch and watch the Aussies take on the Kiwis, Fiji, Samara and all those guys, catch it because it's going to be entertaining. But yeah, that's about it. Yeah, sounds hot. Sounds hot. I've watched and taken on the Kiwis and Samoans and the Fijians and the Tongans. On, on live Islands. on sand. Live so on sand. Live on sand. We're not paid for this, by the way. Uh, but we'll, we'll accept yeah. any free stuff that Sam wants to Yeah, 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 yeah. Any free subscriptions. Uh, Morgan Tuanui, if you want to sign my, pod, my podcast microphone, that'd be sweet. Um, not good yeah, enough to yeah, yeah, cool. jersey or what? Yeah, yeah, well, you know, it's a bit covered, a bit covered. Um, many people understand that, yeah. Um, but yeah, cool. All right. Um, cool. I think that probably wraps it up. I've yeah. got not much to talk about. Um, trying to keep it short and sweet. And we've just gone over the hour mark. Um, but yeah, cool. Um, I guess all I've got to say is thanks, Anthony, for coming on. Thanks very much for having us. Oh, anytime, Nathan. Anytime. Um, and for you out there, thank you for listening. Um, hope you enjoy the uh, Drop Kick Off podcast. Bit of a weird one this week. It's just me and Nathan. But yeah, uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, let us know what you think about the Super Rugby final. The uh, what. Hamish is saying about, hey, maybe we should split off from NZ. Please let us know. Drop us a like. Drop us a subscribe. Drop us a comment in the comment box. Uh, anyway, otherwise, until then, catch you later. Goodbye. But what did go wrong? I'll have to look, look and think about it. Think about it deeply, very deeply. Did it hinge in the end on a bit of genius from Sirly Bombo? Bit of genius, bit of magic. Sirly Bombo, very interesting, very good, yeah. Very good. Three cheers for Sirly Bombo, very good, very good.